This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! And thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is where I like to leave my trigger warning and contextual layout for the episode. And since we're going to be discussing Japanese monster movies primarily... I would just like to apologize if we end up mispronouncing anything. Otherwise, let me apologize for last week ending up using the M word to describe little persons. It was by accident, but I should have let you know ahead of time. Too bad the apartment was 80 degrees at that point. So I wanted to get right to the show, and we'll do the same right now. Little Hands says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. And welcome to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. If you want to follow what I'm watching, that can be done at letterbox.com slash cmdarth. And if you want to use your Amazon Echo or Google Nest devices to listen to the podcast, you can do that by just asking, listen to latest podcast by Russ Stevens. With that said, I'd like to thank Brad, at who's on Twitter, at as we go along for uh, giving me some criticism about the podcast. Uh, a lot of to do with the artwork. So, hey, I just got to say, I'm happy to go and commission art if that will help me out. So you want to do that? Send an email to russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Otherwise, this week I have the Poetic r- Critic returning. That's the Poetic Critic on Letterboxd, making her annual, now annual, I should say, Spooky Month appearance. And we're going to discuss uh, Japanese kaiju movies. I guess that's kind of, re- well, after the legendary films, I guess it's not ridiculous to or redundant to say Japanese kaiju movies. So, we're primarily going to focus on Mothra versus Godzilla, the second Mothra movie. And that's a lot of fun. And I get quite the history since my big sister has gone and addressed the Godzilla Criterion Blu-ray collection. So I did not expect her to be such an expert. And I think we'll all benefit from that. And we do also talk about some of the movies she's also been watching on Letterboxd. I always do a little Letterboxd stalking of her when I need to pull a guest out in a pinch. So... Hopefully you'll enjoy all of her insights, and if you'd like to be on the show, send an email to rustabus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Offer me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor. Try to focus on sub-100-minute movies, but I can work with about anything. And follow me on Twitter. If you want to criticize the show poorly, do that at CatBusRuss. Otherwise, five-star reviews. And subscriptions would be greatly appreciated. So thanks again for coming to 90 for Chill, the podcast, and enjoy the show. He stands for his stories. He breathes radioactive fire. The earth quakes beneath his mighty feet. 
survive his wrath, curse his unrelenting fury. Now, a new ally stands to battle the menace of Godzilla. Over there! The gigantic insect known as Mothra. On four, the battle's not won yet. This time, Godzilla's facing Mothra, the giant moth. Seconds out. And welcome to Ninety for Chill, the podcast. This week, I have the poetic critic on with the uh, general topic of uh, kaiju. She'd uh, doing a little letterbox stalking. Her username is the poetic critic, of course. I saw that she'd uh, caught up on a couple of uh, the Godzilla mashup movies from the early 60s. Um, it's a little tougher to find. Well, I'm sure I could probably find it on YouTube. Uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. But uh did recently just watch um, Mothra versus Godzilla, which is, I guess, is this the second Mothra movie? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. So Mothra is kind of brought into the Toho universe as the good kaiju. I didn't realize Godzilla was still being a kind of a dick. I had to do some wikiing while watching this movie. Um, but I will have to say, yes, hashtag feminism. But you open the movie with the big guy's theme. I'm, I'm just saying, top bill, I think. Mm-hmm. So, And then you see weird stuff like... Did every studio have their own scope? Um, I don't know if every studio did, but trade names internationally did seem to be a big thing by mm. studio at the time. Right. So shot in Toho scope. And, and uh, you know, Mothra, uh, Mothra versus uh, King Kong is fun. You just, this is a, they're easy to riff movies. They're not bad movies. I mean, I, I saw Mothra at the Rift Tracks, but I love the uh, anti-American sediment of the film. <laughs> the original Mothra. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of like, I, I don't understand the Japanese ideal on capitalism because somebody always gets shot trying to stuff a suitcase with money. This goes beyond just the kaiju genre. Um I mean, I remember that from Akira primarily. And, um, but this movie is funny just because, like, you have the, oh, the uh, prefecture has been completed, like a mission accomplished sign. <laughs> like, geez, we should have known that come the Iraq War. <laughs> so, but, um, I mean, it, it's hard not to like the Mothra, which, I, I'm glad again doing Wikipedia work on this that uh in all likelihood they will return to the uh modern kaiju uh franchise, which I can't say I'm a huge fan of. Have you seen any of the uh I haven't caught up on the uh legendary studios Godzilla films, if that's what you mean. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Or what they call the monster verse i guess is the official name oh i see i didn't even pick up on that uh i mean you know godzilla 14 i know it's got a lot of supporters i mean a hell of a lot of supporters uh 
but um i think it was gareth what pretty much got gareth edwards the uh rogue one deal Mm. but um it just didn't seem fun like godzilla 98 sucked but you know they were at least trying to have fun with the idea which i think pretty much meant the end of everything um devlin and emmerich as quality but and again i i i will not speak well of roland emmerich if it does not involve jean-claude van damme and dolph lundgren and jerry orbach and you look at all his other movies where's my jerry orbach where's my van damme where's my dolph lundgren where's my elephant you figure there'd be an elephant somewhere in this stuff from Roland Emmerich, wouldn't you? I mean, that's what I'm asking myself. So, uh, and thinking about themes, I think that's something Jurassic Park missed. It kind of brings me back to uh, John Williams coming back for um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, just the right Obi-Wan's theme. Right. So it's like, T-Rex, he needed a theme. Come on, get on that, John Williams. Dilophosaurus, you can make something spitty sounding. I mean, geez, I know John Williams is probably in his mid-80s now, but if he came back for Obi-Wan, Jeff Goldblum, Ian Malcolm, he needs a theme. He does have a theme. Oh. Uh, kind of a bootstrapped theme. Uh, some of the fans, anyway, if you look at TV tropes, seem to have applied on one of the tracks from the Lost World soundtrack as kind of the unofficial Malcolm theme. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is a track called Malcolm's Journey, and oh. that's kind of bootstrapped, I suppose. I don't know. I think every Jeff Goldblum appearance... I mean, Samoa Joe really capitalized that in professional wrestling. The boom, 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 boom. Jeff Goldblum could use that. Any, any, uh, talk show appearance i think would be good for him mm-hmm. um, unless there's a real I, I never really paid attention to the theme on the world according to jeff goldblum if there was one mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i mean this is this is a fun at least uh mothra versus godzilla is fun just for again the riff track element of it uh which is kind of Again, that's just the fun thing about kaiju movies. I can't really say you could do that with the legendary movies. I thought uh, Godzilla versus, I mean, Godzilla King of the Monster was boring as all hell. And and that's sad because I've never said that about a Charles Dance movie. Hmm. Um, but, uh, and then, the, you know, it's another one. Oh, let's just, uh, oh, uh, I can't remember her name exactly. I, from she made her name big in Babel, um, Rio. Um, well, she was she was the lead one of the leads in um, Pacific Rim, and mm-hmm. she was in the original as she was in Godzilla 2014. So it's like you know 2019 Rinko Kikuchi. Um, you know we're just gonna have her have a bit part in every one of our every mo- sequel she should be in, and we'll kill her off real fast. Hmm. Um, which is kind of sad. I mean, she had an excellent arc on uh, Westworld uh, when they visit Samurai World, uh, but this kind of brings me back again, thinking about Westworld uh, to. So this movie is basically 
um, the happy corporation wants to make their own Jurassic Park. Yes, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. Uh, yeah, it's surprising how much... So, the first film, original 1954 Godzilla, of course, is famous for being a very somber film mm-hmm. in its subtext and text regarding the impact of both the atomic yeah. bomb droppings on Japan, but also the testing that went on afterward. But it is true that as the series progressed in the 60s, at least, there was a fair deal of sat- further commentary and satire. The, yeah. uh, cri- the big criterion box that they brought out of the film says very good liner notes that go into detail about so- why the decision, why the series tone changes and, why certain filmmakers were attached to certain themes. And Japan's had a, much like Germany, had a mirac- kind of a miraculous post-war and how quickly everything came back together and how capitalism and technology really swept through the country by the 1960s. And like uh, Americans would do the same thing. We'd have a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just find it, uh, especially in a, it goes even still today, like um, not so much the original uh, Battle Royale, mm-hmm. but uh, Battle Royale 2 is a total let's uh, mock the war on terror <laughs> and um, just American elitism. And I say Moth- Mothra is uh, very big on that. Like, yeah. like, um, which is like I was revealing revealing the plot of that one. Okay, so we're trying to control Mothra by kidnapping the girls and <laughs> and do the girls have to speak in unison just so they have that stereo effect to be heard? I don't know. Yeah. Remember, they are telepaths, right? So why are they even right. like they 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 could have avoid being chased around the uh, hotel room <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, so let's see another thing though is uh with the uh, fishermen and uh uh mothra versus godzilla like what are you doing like go out and get that and then the shinto priest is pretty much i've said the prayer so it's like gosh now we got the nra in this one <laughs> thoughts and prayers so uh, thinking more about kaiju stuff. Have you seen the robot chicken Weird Al Yankovic song, I Am Kaiju? I think so, yes. Yes. Okay. So, yep. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it's weird that the most violent songs Weird Al writes seem to arrive on Robot Chicken. Right. With a Weasel Stomping Day. Yeah. So, uh, we definitely need, need a new album, Al. <laughs> I, I I need to download I Am Kaiju. But uh, with um, and doing just looking over, you know, as I'm watching this and I didn't realize Gamera was the not was truly the knockoff Godzilla. Yeah. And uh, that, I think the pronunciation is Dae Studios, but yeah. I thought it ended were... up with Kadakwa. Kadakawa. But I, I'm just saying where it ended up. Yeah. But um, yeah. You would know more about the later films than I do. But yeah, yeah, Godzilla movies were so popular, especially 
directly with kids, which is one reason they got lighter over time. Oh, yeah. That, uh, you know, people want wanted to make knockoffs. Well, is they also bring this up in the Criterion liner notes, after, especially after King Kong versus Godzilla, which was actually the most popular of the films in Japan. It had the highest attendance. You see, uh, that he, just looks so bad, though. The God, I mean, not, not Godzilla. I mean, Godzilla always looks good, but uh, King Kong in that. Like, the, the costume didn't look as good as, you know, 1933s. Like, yeah. we know you didn't have the rights, but well, no, surprised me that that's the most profitable uh, uh, to that point. Um. Yeah, in terms of sheer attendance, that was the biggest film in the series. But this, but there were two things that really affected how the Godzilla movies progressed in the sixties and seventies. One was that they were they got more popular with kids. The other was professional wrestling took off in Japan in the sixties, mm-hmm. and they started applying those kind of principles to how they staged the monster fights. Oh, so I... they started anthropomorphizing the monsters more. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's weird that I didn't think about that, especially since I think it was in Seattle for a while there, or maybe it was LA. There was a wrestling promotion called Kaiju Battle, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, it pretty much speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, what that would be. So let's see. Jurassic Park. Now, as I say, I, I come to this film not realizing that eh, Godzilla was still kind of a dick. But you know, well, Mothra versus Godzilla is the last one where he's a complete antagonist. Yeah, things start changing after things start to shift after that. Right when they bring um, the three-headed monster, yeah, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Yeah, I think that's the first one I actually saw bits of uh, back on cable in the late eighties. That or Rodan. Um. I, I actually thought Godair was Rodan, I guess so. Um, yeah, it's one of those weird things that dad, dad, oh, it ended up on the kitchen TV and dad's just, this is what he loved. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of, you know, again, modern kaiju movies just taking the piss out of the fun aspect of it. You know, it's just like, um, like the reason I watched Kong was pretty much like, ooh, Samuel L. Jackson versus the monkey. <laughs> you put Samuel. I mean, I haven't watched Snakes on the Chain on a plane, and honestly, like that was a weird stage of horror where we were really like, oh yeah, it's funny, and we're gonna get real nasty with it. <laughs> like, um, I'm a huge fan of the uh, movie High Tension uh, by Alexandra Aja. Mm-hmm. but it's like then i'm watching bits from piranha 3d and it's like okay yeah it's funny seeing uh jerry o'connell um get his bottom half totally chewed off and complaining about his um lack of equipment then as he's dying but it's like oh gosh it's just some of the effects were just like oh yeah we're just gonna have that person get body fall apart in the background it's like oh come on that's a little mean i mean it's just uh as i say weird time and i shouldn't expect you know being a fan of high tension i should like well i definitely enjoyed the meanness in that movie so i don't know what's wrong with me it's like 
I don't know. It's kind of like... I mean, even Splat Stick, it's kind of like... Well, I don't know, because I was recently uh, listening to a podcast that was driving up to Chicago for L7 by... uh, Okay, got to make sure I get all the uh, words in. They're all B words, so I love the alliteration. They're out of Cleveland. Uh, Babes, booze, and... Uh, no, blood, ba- babes, uh, no, blood, booze, and boobs. <laughs> and uh, their podcast, they were discussing uh, the first episode I heard from them. The most recent one was uh, they pretty much talked about scene for scene, um, Dead Alive, and then Cannibal the Musical. Right. So, and I'm thinking, like, well, I loved all the gore, and I didn't really feel too bad for the New Zealand natives. Maybe it's just because I knew all the porn stars who were getting cut up in uh, Piranha 3D. It's like, uh, didn't want to see Sasha Gray like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of um, just a weird, like, I love, I did like Pacific Rim. And uh, I mean, my favorite anime is a kaiju anime, essentially. Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Um, with the angels and the fact that the Avas are not robots. And of course, Avas are not robots. Avas are perfect beings, as I stare at my perfect little cat. <laughs> um, but with uh, Mothra versus Godzilla, you get little bits like, I don't know, it's kind of surprising me the right wing has not uh, tried selling this movie as a pro-life like. <laughs> See, we tried to make we tried to a nuclear abortion on Infant Island. <laughs> and this is what happens. So I'm just going through my list, checking off what I've done. Toho scope, mission accomplished, Mothra, Shinto Priest as the NRA, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Jeff. You know, there. But thinking about birth and stuff. Okay, how did Mothra get an egg? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Like, is this typical insect stuff where there are two giant moths, <laughs> male and a female? <laughs> and I think. I mean, power to the the matriarchy, I suppose. Things would be a lot simpler if all all species ate their males. There's a funny, again, robot chicken sketch where Mantis is, Hey, Ed, have you gone and had it? Yeah. <laughs> of course you haven't. Then that brings me, that I'm also now finally getting through Harley Quinn. <laughs> it's like, bring, makes me flashback to um, the penguins' cousin, uh, nephews, von mitzvah, and how Harley Quinn distracts him from his uh, big moment. But I digress. But uh, love myself some King Shark on that show, and I guess that's that's probably the best kaiju we got going right now in cinema. I mean, provided we do get another Suicide Squad movie, 
I kind of doubt it at this point. There hasn't really been any talk, and I don't think King Shark's big enough to qualify as a kaiju. Oh, he's a he's a pretty big guy. I especially love Ron Funches's. I mean, that might be more of a love for Ron Funches, but oh, I mean, loved love love loved how they created that character. Like, I don't do well with blood. Oh, I thought he was just gonna get not. <laughs> get lightheaded or when he gets um when the first plan to try saving clayface's hand goes wrong <laughs> and he gets sent to prison he's pretty much immediately the king of the prison it's just it just shows it, it's just fun to see ron funches go so many different ways with his emotions um so yeah okay pro-life message so as I said, I didn't know that Godzilla was still an antagonist, but it's not like so when I first see him get, you know, awake from the um disaster from the typhoon and the uh re uh establishment of the prefecture, like Yeah, oh well he's tired, man. Give him a break. He just woke up, he's tripping over stuff. I get it. That's cool. Why do you do the fire breath? Like, oh man, you're kind of being a dick. <sighs> but I guess another question is though, um, when do you finally get to start cheering for the kaiju? Like in um this movie he has the first bout with uh the original Mothra. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he comes out technically on top. Like he's worn out, and then he's not even really engaging everybody, anybody. But they're just blasting away with uh, the the tanks, the rockets, and you know, using all that power, electricity. Forgetting about continuity, this guy's nuclear fed. It's like, come on, give him a break. And then it gets disturbing when we get to our climax of the film. <laughs> Where it's like, well, I mean, yeah, Godzilla's still alive, and yeah, we got to retreat. It doesn't look like he's doing much, though. Oh no, we got to get to that island. There's a there's a teacher with ten students. And then you see Godzilla's head pop up. It's like it's like a begging strips commercial. <laughs> children, children. <laughs> There's only one thing that tastes like children. <laughs> it's gotta be children. <laughs> so, but as I but as I say, like okay, they so they didn't really spend a lot of money, I guess, on models for this one. I, I guess is what this comes down to. It's like I don't see New Japan Wrestling ever stopping by here. I mean, I think they're quite away from Nagoya. Um, so. So, okay, knock that note off our kids that like veal. So, I mean, it's, I, I don't know if this is my favorite. Well, I think Mothra is probably still my favorite um, kaiju movie from the original Toho that I've seen. Right. But uh, what do you find more amusing? Say your knockoffs like Gamera or our international knockoffs. Uh, like Reptilicus. I do think uh, there 
the international knockoffs are just more conceptually interesting because a lot of them really are localized quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what's the English one? The British uh, one. Borgo. Yes. <laughs> Borgo is the UK tack. You know, it kind of makes me sad that, you know, I guess the Americans had the original with uh, Kong, but. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's generally agreed to be the 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 first really big movie of that kind, and it was how well that film was received in Japan that helped pave the way for Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just sad that we haven't really come up with our own giant monster since. I guess you'd say Cloverfield. I guess. I mean, Cloverfield's a, I don't know, I'm not big on found footage movies myself. You're, you? No, I'm, I'm not really familiar with the genre. Okay. I mean, I, get, I can't say I've seen many myself. It just doesn't, like, um, I think the best one still is Diary of the Dead. And it's kind of like, yeah, you know, there's like one of the uh, greatest horror directors behind that movie. Um, I mean, I've seen the zombie diaries, which of course, you know, had a lot of, which is weird. Like, oh, this one knocked off that one. And it's like Dimension is still distributing both of them. Um, and I'm not, and Cloverfield, I was going to say, is all right. Um, I mean, it's a pretty, I, I'm surprised it was a PG-13 rated movie, especially when you get the little monsters that break, like, and the bites make you explode. But, um, and so I was just, um, again, just trying to thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And No problem. And thank you very much for breaking up the monotony. Because, um, I mean, I love talking about 80s horror because that's kind of like, I mean, for somebody our age. Right. The horror aisle being right next to the checkout at Village Video. Yeah. It couldn't help but like what crazy stuff. Look at the titles and what crazy stuff (laughs) are they coming up with? So there's a so it's good good to break up the monotony because I think uh, especially with um, so Wednesday is the plan. I'm talking with uh, both members of uh, booze boobs and blood i hope i get, keep saying that in the correct order great logo for their show um they're we're gonna talk uh some uh is it john wales or james J- Wales? thank you yep i was just trying to make sure i get that straight before i do that uh it looks like we're going in for the invisible man and uh the original frankenstein mm-hmm. um and it's kind of like like uh, the one thing I really know about James Whale, at least movie wise, uh, directly. I mean, obviously, I know Whale and all of the what would become the Universal monsters. Um, is uh, the old Dark House. Mm-hmm. So, be fun to reminisce about that flick. Like that that is that is a fun horror movie just because like nothing really happens in it. 
like oh yeah you got boris karloff but he's not really gonna he's he just just leave him alone he'll, he'll tire himself out it's, it's the weird little pyromancer you have in the building that you don't see till the end but otherwise it's just it, it's very charming like british you mm-hmm. know just yeah it's almost a whole subgenre in itself, and to the point they call it old dark house movies. Oh, I did not know that. I will yeah. give you okay. a bunch of people in a house and strange oh. things happening. Well, yeah, I, I didn't. That, but that I was did. that was kind of the went back to stage stage work, which was what old dark house was based on. Yeah, but obvi- uh, obviously, I mean, yeah. it's very Agatha Christie when you say mm-hmm. look at then then there were none, especially right. or. I mean, pretty much any modern Agatha Christie, yeah. I mean, adaptation, Death on the Nile, or, um, of course, Murder on the Orient Express. Right. Like, I guess that's why I didn't really care, care much for the mirror cracked. Sorry, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> uh, rest in peace. I mean, it's, a, it's fun, especially, you know, just, just the sheer names in it, but it's kind of like... Yeah, this should have been made for TV. It would have worked a lot better as a Murder, She Wrote episode. But, um... So... With the Godzilla box set, you keep talking about the liner notes. Is this direct experience, or are you, um... Just getting the feedback from, say, uh... Jessica Jessica Ritchie? This is how I've been watching the... Oh, okay. The films is by way this box set. I caught it one of their flash sales. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I usually just, I'm a creature of habit, you know, I'll get the pre brat Black Friday deal. But it's one of those I really should ask you for your password since <laughs> I'm paying yearly on HBO Max. But <laughs> well, I'm the one who pays for Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, an extra two bucks if is my situation there. But I digress. So now I am actually just watching it. And of course, they're testing for radiation. It's kind of like when I first see that, um, oh, it's such a shiny and beautiful thing. I'm thinking, well, that's probably a Mothra scale. And then mm-hmm. obviously it turns out to be a Godzilla something. Mm-hmm. and then when they're testing for radiation so as i said i got the movie on my peripheral yeah you know it's like and then they find that piece of wood and it's like are we sure we don't have godzilla poop sorry i might watch i don't think i watch a lot of american dad but <laughs> i mean there's a lot of value in poop <laughs> so so since you watching the box set then i mean any other um i i remember on screen drafts that they talked about the one with like a robot daughter in it yeah, they talked they talked about terror of mechagodzilla which is the last film in the showa series okay as the original continuity is known hmm. um i've only got as far as door the three-headed monster although some time ago i did jump ahead to i to destroy all monsters which is oh. more like about midway through the run well it's one of the more legendary titles though so yeah no one can blame it for that i mean it's like it's kind of like the james bond movies 
mm-hmm. in a sense. It's like, well, you, I mean, what if you're gonna if you're gonna recommend a Roger Moore movie, which one is it gonna be? I I ask that because I think I know the answer. I don't know actually. Oh, I haven't okay. really thought about it in a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, Roger Moore is actually the James Bond character. <laughs> One James Bond where it's like, I don't know if I really should have thought about it that hard. <laughs> I mean, because I, 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 I hate it whenever I'm on Twitter and I see somebody like, hey, pick your favorite James Bond movie. And it's like, don't do that to me. I was a kid growing up in the 80s. <laughs> of course, I'm going to choose You Only Live Twice. It's James Bond, it's Ninja, it's Donald Pleasance. I mean, yes, it's racist as all hell. But, you know, it's, and I, and I keep falling back on, I was raised in a, at a high, at a junior high in high school that said the Civil War was about states' rights. Um, I'm now I'm like, hey, who was your junior high history teacher, Rory? <laughs> but, we don't need to get into that um so i I, as i say i you doing letterbox stocking is how i got here um so what i I, you had a good poem i don't necessarily remember a star rating though when it came to uh king kong versus godzilla i think it was four it does take i watched the u.s release cut which is in the u.s cut Mm-hmm. Um, the box set, yeah, which I think is the one that's on HBO Max. No, you cause... see, I couldn't, I couldn't find. I, well, or I don't know, maybe Just Watch is, was wrong. I guess because I didn't see it on HBO Max. Um, well, this is because uh, Universal has the rights to King Kong King versus Kong. Godzilla in the U.S. Okay. They had the rights to the character at the time, so it was kind of a so they had to work out some copy some cross-issue copyrights so Mm -hmm. criterion had to license it to include it in the box set and the u.s release cut i guess is in better condition the Mm. box set does include the japanese cut as a bonus feature and there are some significant differences uh the u.s the stuff with the uh, the uh, TV reports in the UN uh, isn't in the Japanese cut, if I remember correctly. The Japanese cut also makes it clear the situation on the Japanese side of the story with the pharmaceutical company that that's sponsoring a TV program. Ah. There's a bit more on that. Mm-hmm. Um, other okay, very cool. And let's see. And. So, um, is Werewolf by Night a TV series, or is that a... Werewolf by Night is a one-off 55-minute program. Okay, all right. That Marvel did. Okay, that actually sounds rather intriguing. It's interesting, but it does kind of hit this wall. More and more, I get the feeling that there really is kind of a ceiling that anything Marvel can't crack. Uh, can, I, I could see they that. Can, they can never reach their full potential as individual projects. Mm. Uh, Righty. Uh, and obviously, I can't really um, t- 
Tetsuo, the Iron Man, definitely does not qualify for 90 for chill. Just four minutes short. I have I have accepted 71 minutes, but good for you. <laughs> I mean, it's a body. Everybody horror fan needs to see that one. Um. Oh, and if you look on your Apple TV, I did pick up. Um. So Apple, yeah, Apple TV. Um, on your Fire Stick, I did pick up. Uh, Crimes of the Future. So. I don't know if the Fire Stick works for me anymore, but uh, well, uh, I'm used in a long time. To no, chat, I so. yeah, I know you circumstances and what have you. Um, so, but uh, otherwise, from our last conversation, it's kind of disappointing. The fan only got two stars for you. It's a good thing. Well, we're, it's a good thing we're only three. We're three weeks removed from my Michael Bean series. Oh, so. <laughs> well. The film really does feel like what it is. A major studio trying to capitalize on the newfound popularity of slashers or the success of some of the Italian giallo imports. Yes. But it's not, but it doesn't quite know how to finesse that with the unusual setting and the fact that the leads are well into middle age. Yeah. So, no, I can hear that. I can see that. Uh, and it, it it takes a while to get where it's going and there's not as big a payoff as there could have been okay and um yeah the only one i really otherwise see on your letterbox is the halloween tree yeah uh, this was a hanna-barbera special from 1993 that right. originally aired on abc it's a short movie it's yeah. a little over an hour total mm-hmm. And it's a direct Ray Bradbury adaptation. Oh, okay. He scripted it. It's based on a short children's novel of his. He scripted it and he also does the narration. Hmm. And I've actually read the book. It's a very faithful adaptation. Not a lot has changed. And um, it is limited by early 90s Hanna-Barbera budget. Okay, of course. But, but they put... a it still has a lot of character put into the individual designs and drawings. And you could, I could have easily seen that just a little more finessing. This could have worked as a theatrical feature and it would have been a lot more interesting than what was getting to screens at the time. Okay. So I just want to make sure I'm on the same page. The Swan Princess was the one where WCW had some Kurgan-looking guy passing out t-shirts one Monday Nitro. That I don't recall. Well, was the was the villain in the Swan Princess kind of Kurgan-esque? Kurgan as in the Highlander, Clancy Brown. Uh, I wouldn't really say that. Okay, which yeah. one? Okay, then it's oh sorry, it's not the Swan Princess. I was thinking about the one where Michael, where I'm sorry, Eric Idle and Quest for Camelot. Thank you. Okay, so huh, WCW missed out on that. Well, I imagine Swan Princess was a Turner project, but yeah, it was. Okay, look when you have Robo, when one of your like you really like if you want to see the most obscure wrestling stuff, and I think I shared it with you. Um, and Andy Kaufman um, on wrestling with regret. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was funny. right. Oh, the weird stuff like you, um, 
WCW was just uh, awful throughout, honestly. <laughs> of course, I cheered them on because they didn't screw Bret Hart, and which, you know, hindsight, well, yeah, I think that was all work, but this is not a wrestling podcast. But yeah, they had stuff like a guy dressed up as the villain from Quest for Camelot <laughs> handing out T-shirts. And see that movie, <laughs> this... And there's the infamous uh, Brad Dorf giving his voice to Chucky to cut a promo against uh, Rick Steiner saying, don't you challenge Scott. And, um, oh, so what I was getting to was Capital Combat 1990, the return of Robocop. Which um, really showed you the limitations of any kind of Robocop cosplay. If you hear all the stories about that one, so but um, aside from the kaiju, though, anything and I saw some Hitchcock, or I might be wrong on that one. Um, just being presumptuous, I suppose. Dial M for murder is that Hitchcock? Yeah, that's a that is a Hitchcock, okay? Okay, I'm interesting because it is kind of a proto Columbo in structure, yes. Oh, no, this is also the one that he did in 3D for Warner Brothers. I did know that on that 3D kick. Yeah, it's uh, and he he uses the technique well. It's not as gimmicky as or as forced as it is in some of the other fifties titles. I would have Actually, loved to see Psycho in three D. Honestly, just when you see um, who is it, Martin or Balsam or the guy Martin from Balsam? Yeah, I I I I got that right. The guy from Mitchell, <laughs> uh, get knocked down the stairs like. Which they try to copy in um, Night of the Demons, which <laughs> yeah, that's um, that was the big revelation of my spooky month is like so my entire film, my entire method of trying to be a screenwriter is based off Kevin Tenney, <laughs> Night of the Demons, Witchboard, because I saw a movie I thought that I was going to go and see, which would be Dead Alive. It was not. I thought, oh, they got a new, they got a Kiwi cut of Dead Alive at the Peoria Theater. Nope. So, but um, let's see. Well, you know what? Um, yeah, I think we're just, you know, it's just fun to talk with the big sis about uh, kaiju movies. Um. I, I would, I you know, in the end, I would probably, if you want to just say, you know, do a, I, I found Pacific the Rim to be a lot of fun, but a lot of it is me just like uh, being the classic, uh, a classic Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Um, I'm sure you've seen the Leonardo DiCaprio's just pointing at the screen. Yeah. Meme. Yeah. That that's the entire experience of say uh Pacific Rim. Oh, there's Neon Genesis Evening Elliot. Oh <laughs> and there's Ron Perlman. Oh, and there's that other buddy that's all in all of Guillermo's movies. Yeah, spot it. <laughs> it's like Easter Egg City. And it almost amazes you that this guy went on to win a best picture and headline ebert fest with his remake of nightmare alley <laughs> but um that was a fun panel though um at was it fan expo no or was it c2e2 i think it was probably fan expo ron perlman 
Um, I can't remember. Yeah, but he was he was in Chicago, and <laughs> it's just fun when you get a celebrity be like what you you expect him to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like I need to see a David Harbor harbor um panel just to see if he's really like the characters he's ended up playing the last uh 10 years so with that said your thoughts on violent night uh, i don't have anything to say on that oh okay i don't know i'm always it's it's hard for me to badmouth a john leguizamo movie so it's kind of like well yeah. and then it's you know Violent Santa, which I don't think they went far enough with Mel Gibson's Fat Man. Well, we got to find that perfect balance. I have to like the uh, Silent Night remake. Mm-hmm. I think they just called it Silent Night. Mm. The remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, I mean, you get to hear Malcolm McDowell. Well, you may try to be an American sheriff. <laughs> oh, you made the... You see, that's that's what trouble like troubles me with accents is it's like I want to do Malcolm McDowell does an American at tries to do an American accent. And it's like, how do you like how do you put yourself in an English state of mind to then turn around? Um, and for you, I mean, I know you're you are probably you're when you think Malcolm McDowell, you probably immediately think of uh, Clockwork Orange. I think most people do at this point. I just find that weird because he's been old Malcolm McDowell now for like 20 years. That's true. You know, like it oh like um when I think about Malcolm McDowell, it's like, well, I saw a clockwork orange and then I see him in Doomsday, Tank Girl, <laughs> Rob Zombies Halloween, just to name a few, and it's like, yeah old gray-haired man menacing tone no matter how hard he tries which is really weird when you see time after time which is an excellent movie i think i mean honestly i know you're not a big marvel person but you got to see i think you do need to see um end game just for all the time travel jokes i've already seen Endgame. okay especially especially um uh don Sheedle trying to make the um hitler reference <sighs> now i want to watch a bunch of time travel movies just to say no back to the future is fine <laughs> but and i guess i might be disappointed that so back to the future doesn't can't exist in the marvel universe <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, especially now since Star Wars comics are done by Marvel again. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, so we have obviously gotten to the BSing stage of the show. Thank you for keeping your language clean. (laughs) Just kidding around. Can count on you. It's it's when you meet new people for your podcast that you have to like, oh gosh, how many smegs do I have to put in this episode? Which is honestly surprising because I get a lot of like brief Twitter reviews of my podcast, like surprisingly well produced, huh? 
didn't know I could do that with a Windows 10 laptop that runs up like molasses. So, but um, aside from being the premier mind in all of Central Illinois cinema, at least criticism, anything uh, you want to direct the people to further research the poetic critic? Um, Not today. Okay. Have you been uh, keeping up on the Complete Works podcast or are you kind of out without Jeff? Um, yeah, I've been fo- focusing on some other shows right now. All right. Any suggestions? Are we still listening to uh, TV Guide? Yeah, I'm still listening to the TV Guide's counselor primarily. Yes, that's a fun show. It's more of just an interview character study. Like, oh, we're going to talk about this and, you know, but you get minds like Joe Bob Briggs and uh, I know Mark Marin. So this is this is what she falls asleep to. Um, so I know Pete Holmes. I like just all the all the times um, at the conventions and such, the ones you were playing. So quite the guest list. Uh, otherwise, you can follow Ninety Fear Chill the podcast um, on Letterbox if you want to know what movies I'm watching. The username is CM Darth. Which I did not. Uh, I was optimistic. I thought with CM Punk coming back to wrestling, oh, I can. I don't have to take that mantle anymore. <laughs> but uh, again, this is not a wrestling podcast. Um, if you want to talk crap about the show, uh, do that at Cat Plus Russ on Twitter. Otherwise, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. Five stars review, preferably, just to fix the algorithm. I will reciprocate. The username for those is Scoop Staley. The Scoop Sailing, I should say. And uh, thank you, Stacia Hardin, for uh, being my inspiration to keep pushing forward. I've, for me, um, I don't know. Have you, it's just a curious question. Have you really ever had like real down moments after you do something cool, like go to, say, Wizard World Fan Expo or C2E2? And then like the next day, it's like, and back to the real world. I'm just saying like an emotional drop off. Uh, Generally, no. Okay. Uh, Well, God bless David for being there for you. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, I just say that because that's like mom and dad's favorite thing about you, you going to the cons. She gets to see David. (laughs) So uh, we got to get him in this social media. I just think he's got some, he's got a good mind to pick. So, but uh, thanks, Stacia Harden, for keeping me motivated and keeping trying to do something that's worth of your memory. And thanks for all the lives you touched um, when you were around. And so, I guess I have one last question. How are you getting your Rocky Horror fix this uh, spooky month? I've come far enough that I don't really need it as a regular thing anymore. Mm. Okay, okay. I'm just just wanting to make sure you're going to clean up your own toilet paper in your bedroom. Mm. Be careful with the squirt gun. (laughs) So, well, thank you very much for uh, coming in on a pinch. Um, It's great talking to you. And I uh, can't wait to have you on the show again. Uh, we're getting past spooky months, so we can probably. And, you know, the big thing last year was where was my Ernest Saves Christmas? 
Is that supposed to be on Disney Plus now? Yes. Okay, so that could be December, I suppose. But thank you again, and uh, have yourself a pleasant week. Thank you. All right. Can I hear a wahoo?